Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is one of those things that I use every single time I go into the woods and probably the most used tool overall when it comes to scouting and hunting and everything in between. So with this time of year, I'm doing a lot of spring scouting, shed hunting uh, for whitetails in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And the way I'm using the Onyx Hunt app is I'm really using a computer to you know, do some scouting ahead of time, uh, whether that's on my lunch break at work, you know, or a couple minutes, um, you know, before work or at late at night, whatever that is, I'm, you know, finding some areas I want to go into, I want to check out. And then when I finally get time to put boots on the ground and get in there and, and do some scouting or shed hunting, I'm utilizing the tracking feature more than just about anything. And what this allows me to do is, is see where I've been, where I've walked and, and be able to kind of, you know, map it out afterwards and kind of see, you know, after the end of the spring, I can see all the places I went to, see if there's any gaps, any areas I didn't check out or I wanted to. It just really helps keep you organized and be able to plan for the upcoming season. So with the Onyx Hunt app, if you want to check it out and give it a try for yourself, uh, head over to onyxmaps.com. And use the coupon code EMW. That'll save yourself 20% off of the Hunt app. So University of Elk Hunting, Elk 101, Corey Jacobson have come out with the most comprehensive elk hunting learning course available. It's all online at your fingertips, either through logging in elk101.com or at the Elk 101 University of Elk Hunting app that they have that's available Anywhere, anytime, has all of the elk hunting knowledge from learning how to apply to different states, how to plan the hunt itself, what you're looking for, scouting, and all the way through to when you're packing out the, hopefully packing out the bull at the end. All that information is right there. And in my opinion, it's one of the most valuable things that you can invest in before you go on a trip, you know, whether that's your first time or it's your 10th time going on an elk hunt, you can learn some information from this course. So if you head over to elk101.com and uh, click on the University of Elk Hunting, use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST and that will save yourself 20% off of the online course. And one of the new sponsors that uh, I brought up last week is Tethered. So the Tethered team has created the ultimate tree saddle hunting setup. And last year was my first year using a saddle and, you know, I was skeptical going into it, but uh, it really changed, you know, the way I'm able to hunt and and scout light and efficiently in the woods, uh, especially, you know, in, in the mountains and areas that we have in the Appalachian region here in Pennsylvania. So last year I used the Mantis saddle and this year they just came out with the new Phantom. So the the Phantom saddle and the Predator platform literally weighs a total of four pounds. And then depending on your climbing method, you have an extremely lightweight setup that you can get up the tree quietly, comfortably, and able to just be a lot more mobile, which can be really important, especially on, you know, public and private lands alike. So if you head over to tetherednation.com, you can check out some more stuff on saddle hunting. And lastly, Exodus Trail Cameras. So they are running, they're having a pretty sweet deal that, uh, that they're running on their Lift 2 cameras. You'd save $50 uh, using the code SPRING20 for the first 100 orders. So this is a first-come, first-served basis, and this sale is going to start tomorrow. So I wanted to get the word out. You know, Before that sale started, I started you know, using our cameras here. I've been using them for a few years and really, really liking them. The, the value proposition that you're getting with Exodus, you know, five-year warranty, 
um, five-year theft and damage protection. So what that means is 50% off a replacement if they're stolen or damaged. Uh, like I had one damaged from a bear last year and uh, was able to get that replaced at 50% off. And um, and also just the, the customer service that you get from this company is is really unmatched. So if you're really you know unfamiliar with the the Lift Two camera that's the sales running for, it provides a really fast trigger speed and and great video quality as well. The little two inch viewing screen allows for easy setup and you can actually view the photos in the field without plugging it into an external camera. Anything else there? The biggest thing that I like uh, you know about Exodus is. I shouldn't say the biggest thing, but one of the most important things is how great the battery life is. You run lithium batteries in these things, you won't need to change them all year, and that's been really great. So if you head over to their website, exodusoutdoorgear.com, and check out all the details about the Exodus Lift 2. All right, so I wanted to, before we started you know, getting into some of the, the prelude here to this episode... I want to remind everyone, New Mexico big game drawing the for applying the application closes on March 18th. That's your last day that you can put in. So just a reminder there, if you're going to apply in New Mexico, uh, you might want to do that here soon, which I need to do that myself. Um, also, this week, have a whole bunch of new apparel coming in to the East Meets West store. Uh, I can't remember. I think there's like seven or eight hats and, and a bunch of different things that are coming out and really excited about that. Uh, I haven't come out with some new products in probably about four months or so, but, um, it was ready to kind of do a revamp here and get some, some new stuff out there. So one of the things that I do within the, the store, and I've been doing this from the beginning is, is that, you know, I find conservation organizations that, that, you know, I believe in and donate 3% to it, uh, to these organizations. And in the past, that has been BHA or Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and also the QDMA, the Quality Deer Management Association. So for 2020, I've changed it up a little bit, and I'm doing it by quarter to each uh, different organization. So for the first quarter, for example, 3% of the sales will be donated to backcountry hunters and anglers. And then the following quarter will be the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, QDMA, etc. I haven't figured out exactly who I'm going to choose for the fourth one there yet. So feel free to shoot me some some options there. I have uh, you know a couple in mind. I'm just trying to figure out which one which one I want to choose at this point. But uh yeah, so that is um that's some something that I have, you know, I truly believe in and want to be able to give back just, you know, a little bit in any way I can. And that's uh, kind of the method I've found to do that. So in last week's episode, I discussed doing, uh, a, you know, a social media posts on Mondays called Mountain Buck Mondays, which is you the listeners submitting photos and, uh, you know, quick story of the hunt um, you know, that you were able to kill a mountain buck or big woods whitetail and just, you know, kind of a little bit of a, either a backstory on it or, you know, a tip that, that you used. And this one is from Lyle Karstetter. So Lyle wrote to me, he said, I don't get a lot of time to archery hunt with my work schedule in the fall. And, you know, so, but I'm able to take off two weeks of rifle season for the past few years and been incredibly lucky in those last couple of years. And 2018 and 19, he, he uh, was able to get a triple trophy in Pennsylvania, which is turkey, buck, and black bear. And the, the story that I want to talk about here is the story of his 2019 buck. And I'll share this photo over on Instagram. So head over the at East Meets West Hunt or on Facebook, East Meets West Outdoors to check this out. But uh, so he had this this buck on trail camera last three years. And the first time he actually saw him in the woods in deer season, Lyle was able to kill this deer. And what he was doing was setting on the edge of an old clear cut on the ground. And he was struggling ever getting a, a pattern on him. But he would get, you know, one trail cam picture here and one there and then, you know, all over the place. But he ended up 
being able to to kill this deer on the first time that that he laid eyes on him and it is a complete tank of a mountain buck so lyle thanks for sharing that story there and if you have one of your own you know send me an email at bow at eastmeetswesthunt.com or you can shoot me a message on instagram facebook whatever you feel that uh your preference so i got a few of them here that are lined up for the next few weeks pretty excited about that and again thanks lyle for that story so on today's episode i have justin long from crispy boots on and uh i'm really excited about this episode justin's a great guy extremely knowledgeable about boots and you know with us that come from the west it can mean coming from the east excuse me it can be really difficult to find a place to you know, try on boots and or just knowing what you need when it comes to western hunting and even whitetails in, in my opinion and we'll go into that in a little bit more detail here um, in this episode so everyone uh, check it out and uh, enjoy all right we're live I'm on the the phone tonight with Justin Long coming out of Utah what's going on man Oh, you know, uh, turning and burning, selling boots, shipping boots. Yeah. So, Justin, uh, let's let's uh, get a little background to yourself. Why why am I talking to you tonight? So, um, my position with the company, um, I'll, I'll kind of start with saying we are a small company. We run very lean, um, handle pretty much almost everything in house um, on our side, but. So I handle all of our national accounts. Um, so I deal with all of our all of our dealers um, face to face and over the phone as much as possible. And then me and uh, Kendall, who is one of the owners, handle a lot of our marketing. So one of the reason that we met um, at ATA was because that's you know both of us are handling a lot of those shows, um, kind of chatting face to face with the consumer and with potential dealers. So, uh, but. I wear a lot of hats, so yeah. I have a lot of people asking me what I what I do, and sometimes I uh, I have to think for a second. Yeah, it, it's funny. So, and the reason why I kind of wanted to you know talk to you on the on the podcast here, Justin, was you know I met you at the the ATA show as I was coming up looking for uh, a specific boot um, for my Alaskan hunt I'm going on this year, and. I'd been, you know, running some crispy uh, Wild Rock, uh, the Gore-Tex 400 gram insulation for whitetails now for a couple of years and have really liked the fit and the quality of the boot and everything. So I kind of wanted to, you know, once I find uh, a boot company that fits my my feet and, you know, and the quality and stuff there, I like to stick with them. And so I, I was I was thinking about it and, you know, within the, the podcast and a lot of the, you know, message I get across is helping people, you know, planning and, you know, finding adventure through hunting. And that can be, you know, Western hunts, that can be, you know, whitetail hunts in the Appalachian region. And a big part of that, you know, comes down to gear. And one of the biggest things, you know, hurdle with gear and myself was learning about the right boots because you know in a lot of hunts i mean well, actually in every hunt like the the thing you're doing more than anything is walking so having you know a good quality boot that fits your foot is is really important and when i when when I, you know i get asked about gear questions a lot and i'm like you know if to go on, um, say even an elk hunt or something, you, you don't need to have the best of everything. But if I said there was two items that I would recommend to anybody to spend their money on, that would be boots and a pack. You know, the things that you're <laughs> spending a lot of time in. And, you know, if any of those two things aren't working to, you know, your expectations, it can kind of make it miserable. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's the, that's what I tell people all the time. You know, I mean, I, I spent, uh, most of my childhood growing up on the East coast and I've got a lot of friends and family that come out and hunt since I've been out here so long. And I tell them the same thing, you know, boots, bows and packs, uh, to me are, they're make it or break it, you know, um, something like that goes, or you have an issue with or a malfunction and it's pretty much pack it up and go home. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, you, I've, you've, I'm sure you have, or have been with people that have hunted that, you know, have get a really bad, you know, blisters or have something wrong with their feet. And that just completely ruins you. That's, 
you know, absolutely terrible. I, I remember the first, uh, first time I started even bear hunting in Pennsylvania and the rifle season, we do a lot of like, you basically get groups together and you drive them because it's so thick and on these steep side hills. And I was, had these big bulky traditional hunting boots on and I was putting on, it just ate up my feet. I mean, to the point where like on day two, I felt like I couldn't even walk. And that was kind of my first wake up call, um, before I, you know, started elk hunting that, you know, a, a boot that works for this type of environment. Uh, I need to think about it a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's, that's where we're getting a lot of guys, you know, we're capturing a lot of the Western market. Um, but you know, I think what's driving this company and our boots farther East is, uh, the whitetail hunter that's looking West. Um, and we're getting guys that are going to, you know, Colorado, Idaho, Montana, you know, any, any Western state, you know, chasing mule deer, antelope, um, elk, and basically buying a boot specific for that. And then realizing that when they get home, you know, I invested a lot of money in this product, so I'm going to keep using it and realizing that it has a lot of good attributes that fits their needs, um, where they live as well. Yeah. So I, I guess before we get real too deep into the, the boot side of things here, I'd like to get, um, you, you mentioned about, you know, growing up, you said you grew up on the East coast and, you know, lived out West for a while. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and kind of that, uh, transition, um, for you? Yeah, abs- absolutely. So I grew up in, uh, South Carolina, um, went to college there and, uh, actually as a kid, so I grew up with horses. Um, and when I was young, my dad actually took, uh, my brother and I to a dude ranch in, uh, in Colorado. And, uh, it's exactly what you would expect. You go out and they put a bunch of city slickers on horses and, and, uh, ride around. But that was kind of my first exposure when I was young to a, how much bigger it is and just the, the uh, lifestyle in general. Um, and I was captured, uh, went to college back East. And basically as soon as I graduated college, I, uh, hit the ground running and moved to Colorado and then moved up to Wyoming. And, um, that's actually where I've got family in Wyoming now and, uh, spent quite a bit of time there. And yeah, you know, I, uh, took a left turn and wound up in Salt Lake and, and now I'm, uh, running a hunting boot company. So, uh, it's, uh, it's been an interesting road, but, uh, it's been a fun one. Um, and, uh, what's been cool is, is, you know, fall on the drive to hunt out here. So I grew up somewhat whitetail hunting. I would say I was more probably of a, a, a waterfowl hunter. Um, I've got serious ADD and, uh, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you didn't really have an iPhone. So sitting in a tree stand for all day <laughs> sits just was not going to happen. Um, so it was like coming out here, it was just more akin to, to what I was wanting to do. Um, spot and stock constantly moving, um, being active and it just, you know, fit my hunting styles a lot, a lot more. And man, it's, you want to talk about trying something new. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are listening to this podcast that, you know, feel like it's a, a massive hurdle, but, uh, the thing is, is until you just start jumping hurdles, you don't, you don't really know how to do it. So you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but, uh, the cool part is you learn a lot. Um, you know, after that first season of me hunting, I, I learned a lot. So, uh, it's been, it's been a fun, fun venture. Um, I did a, did a stint of guiding while I was in Wyoming and, uh, that, uh, that teaches you a lot too, you know, when, when your decisions are, are a lot more important than just uh, personal failures. So it was cool. And, uh, yeah, now I, uh, I still feel like I don't know anything. So I, I, hunt with, I still, I hunt with a lot of buddies here that, that have grown up and spent their entire lives in the West. And, you know, it, it, I feel like as soon as you're stepping into the woods and you're not learning anything or picking up new tricks, then it's time to find something new and I'm learning something new every day. Yeah. I think it would be pretty tough to, you know, with anything in regards to hunting to completely master something, you know, I feel like I'd never will be bored with it. Cause there's always something to learn and, and you know, the animals are always, you know, when you think, you know, something they usually will make you rethink that pretty quickly. Absolutely. I mean, you, you start breaking it down and you think about what you're doing, especially on the archery side of things, um, you know, to, to not only, pick a location, pick a spot, figure out a time to go. Um, 
locate the animal you're chasing, and then make a game plan to get close enough, um, have that little bit of luck on your side and for all the stars to align. I mean, it's, it's a pretty tricky business, you know, and, and I feel like you start out with just like, all right, if I could just see some elk and then it turns into like, all right, if we could just get close to some elk and then, you know, you, you get your first, you know, elk, whether it's a cow or a bull down and whatever size it is. And then you start thinking, okay, let's be consistent. And then it turns into a whole nother ball game. So, um, it's been great. You know, I, I, I've been out West now for, so I'm, I'll be 33, uh, in June and, um, and I've been out since I graduated college. So right around that, I think I moved when I was 21, 22, right after I graduated. Nice. So yeah, so you definitely you have been there a good part of your adulthood and, and got to learn it. And one thing you said there was something I, I stress with you know, everybody, I, I've only been going out West now for four years and it's, you know, there's no real shortcuts to it. There's a lot of things you can do and invest in learning about things and, and research and stuff that'll help that learning curve, but there's nothing that replaces just doing it. And with, with once you, you know, make that initial investment, you know, get some gear and get some things to do it, you know, it, you can do it for a relatively low cost every year. Um, you know, out West, you can go hunt states, have over the counter tags. So that'd be elk for mule deer, antelope, anything along those lines. And, and, you know, get a couple buddies to split the cost of driving or, or whatever else and, and just make it happen. And that's the best way to learn. Absolutely. I mean, it's just part of it. You know, I mean, so many people stress over the, the process of planning that it's, even locations, you know, obviously there's states that have more elk than others that are better hunting. There's locations within those states that are better, but you know, I mean, in in general, the bulk of your Western states that have elk have mule deer, you're going to find something somewhere. Um, It might not, it might not be as good as, like I said, other locations, but you get better at looking for locations of where they might be, um, when they might be in certain locations and you get more educated with your guesses, I guess I could say. Um, you know, and, and you learn a lot that, I mean, that, that first time hunting, you know, you blow a couple stocks because of the wind or you make a couple bad decisions and it's like, Oh, well, I won't do that next time. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And it's, you know, I, I'm very guilty of, you know, when I, when it comes to planning, sometimes I overcomplicate things and, you know, overthink hunting areas and spots and everything else and you know it just as as long as you don't let that completely like what is it paralysis by analysis as long as you don't let that happen um you know you'll be fine but it's just really just doing it if there's a uh you know a tag allotment for a certain area then there's going to be um animals there to find it's just you got to find them oh absolutely you know i i say it all the time when i'm hunting with some of my buddies if like Onyx has been phenomenal, um, for, for my success, you know, being able to constantly see that and track and, and make notes. But I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting on a Ridge and I've had like three decisions to, you know, locations that I want to go to. And I've sat there for way too long and not done anything because I can't make up my mind. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, it reminds me how I feel every morning during the, the, the whitetail rut as I'm sitting in my driveway in my truck, not sure where to go. Like I'm literally have my bag packed, my stand on, on my pack. And I'm like, I don't know where to go. I have a thousand spots that I've scouted all year and I can't find one. <laughs> and, and nobody forgets their doubt. Like hunters forget their doubt, you know, until <laughs> yeah. you've killed that animal until you've like been successful, you know, you had so much doubt in your mind and questioned every decision you made. And then as soon as you were successful, you're like, Oh no, I knew exactly what I was doing the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) So anybody that tells you they had the perfect game plan and it all came together and there was no doubt they're lying. Yeah. Even like I'll be in a tree and I'll look over and see a tree 20 yards from me. I'm like, that tree is the one I should have been in. Like, damn it. Like this is what I needed to do. I screwed it up. Yeah. Then if it works out, I'm like, I knew this is the right tree. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't actually going to move. Yeah. I just, you know, I was just thinking of scenarios, (laughs) but it's been, it's been good, you know, and I've had, I've had to seriously change a lot of my game moving to now that I'm in, in Salt Lake and Utah that, you know, it's, it's tougher. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of over the counter tags here in Utah and the hunting is good, but, um, I, I moved, uh, I moved from a pretty big Mecca. I haven't been in Wyoming for so long and almost took advantage of it a little bit. You know, you, you kind of start to see how the rest of the world is and, and, um, you know, it's having to play the tag games now and learn all the different States. And it's been nice being centrally located because I can travel, um, much easier, easier to different States and hunt. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a whole nother ball game. You know, I'm, I'm on the level playing field for, for most of everybody, you know, whether you're in the Midwest who hunts a guy who hunts whitetail and wants to come hunt elk. I mean, it's, it's no different than what I'm doing. You know, he can do everything I do. I've got, I don't really have a leg up. Yeah. What, what is cool. I, I noticed, um, this past year when I was driving to Idaho, I, I had never, you know, I've seen Salt Lake on a map and stuff and never been there, but I drove, you know, somewhat close to her there and there's you know you're on the corner of you know a few states there that you can kind of bounce around to if you if you can and i thought that was i thought salt lake was in a pretty cool location it's a great spot you know especially for me traveling quite a bit it's easy for me to get in and out but then you know i can drive you know even on the long side seven hours in any direction and and i can hunt you know a multitude of states whether it be you know, Northern Idaho, Montana, um, Northwest corner of, of Wyoming or, you know, down in New Mexico, uh, Nevada or, or even Texas, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's been pretty cool. Now, you know, growing up on the East coast, if I'd, uh, if somebody would have told me that I was going to be driving eight hours to go hunt, I'd have told them they were crazy, but, um, <laughs> you live out West long enough and you start realizing nothing is close. Yeah. That, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Like I, I know here, if I have to drive three hours on a weekend, you know, it always seemed like that was a, that was a big deal, like to go hunt somewhere or whatever it might be. And then my brother moved to Colorado and I went out to visit him this summer for my first like Western non hunting related trip. And just to like, I'm like, Oh, he lives in Colorado, the mountains, you can see him from his door, but it still seems like a two or three hour drive to anywhere to camp or hike or, you know, do a lot of those things. And that's just normal for, uh, you know, people living in the West. Yeah. It's big country. That's for sure. But, um, yeah. So Justin, the next thing I kind of want to, you know, talk about here is a little bit about like the background, uh, with crispy. Cause I, I feel like I just started hearing of crispy boots, um, you know, in the last four years or so, if that, does that timeline sound about right? Yeah, you're pretty much spot on. Um, so as far as the company goes, um, everything that, uh, you know, everybody listening is going to be affiliated as far as crispy is, is, um, going to be the North American distribution, which is, which is who I work for. And, um, the, the actual, you know, mother company is, uh, is based in Italy. Um, it is a family run, uh, business. Um, they've been, it was founded in 1975. So crispy, by its name and by the company is, is by no means new to, uh, the cobbler world and, and to producing high end footwear. Um, it was, uh, it was founded by, uh, by a guy named Alessandro and now his, uh, son and his daughter both, um, both have a hand in running the company. Um, Federico, who we deal with quite a bit, uh, he does most of your design, um, and concepts. Uh, and that's who we work with directly. Um, you know, as far as producing boots, what's been really cool with, uh, with this relationship is that, you know, not that we've been given the helm, but, um, it's, uh, they've realized the market and how big it is here. And, and what we've, we've done is we've gone to them and, uh, and been able to basically create products specifically designed for the North American market. So, which is very different than a lot of, you know, our competitors as, um, you know, what they're doing is implementing boots that are maybe made for another market into this market. Um, we've got the ability to actually go to them and say, Hey, this is what the North American hunter needs and this is how we want to build it. And it really makes us unique unique in that, in that factor. Um, so, and it's not just on a performance base, it's also on a fit, um, we are built in Italy, uh, but we build all of our boots on a North American last, which a last for a little bit of a technical term is going to be the actual mold of the boot. And that actually gives the shape of the boot. And 
typically your European last is going to be narrow and then your North American last is going to be a little bit more gracious, which is what we bring it in for. So I think that's been one of our big successes is, is that we fit a lot of the North American style feet. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I've tried a few different European brand boots and that's what I, I felt like they were a little bit too narrow. Um, for me and I, I guess I didn't know the, the term last or any of the or any of the details between, you know, North American versus, you know, the European style there. But that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So so basically um it, it started with, you know, some core models and we've kind of bumped up and, and gone from there and and it's been one of the one of the great things, like I said, for for them being able to basically look to us and, and say, hey, what do we need to do when we collaborate and and we can change materials, construction, um, you know, all the way to, to visual appearance and colors and, and aesthetic look of, of a boot. So uh, because it is different, you know, you go to different markets throughout the world and, and people like different colors. They like different visual appearances and they need different performances. And um, so it's been great to do that. And what's what's also been you know a, a big benefit for, for Crispy is that we do what a lot of our competitors don't do is, is we give you a gamut of, of tools for all kinds of different trades. And, um, you know, our, our boots are definitely born in mountain hunting. They're born in Western hunting, but like we've kind of been talking about is there's a lot of attributes to the, to the whitetail world. Um, and we're also seeing that and we're seeing a lot of requests for more whitetail driven product. So, um, you know, we're, uh, we're definitely listening and we're trying to produce that while still, you know, trying to stay somewhat, uh, somewhat to our roots. Yeah. And, and like when you and I were talking at the ATA show, I, I was, you know, referring to the most of the East coast. So just throughout the Appalachian range here, we have 5.4 million hunters that go through there. There's a ton of people. And a lot of that, you know, through the Appalachian mountains, it, it can still have a lot of the Western vibe to it where it's still, you're having some steep terrain. It's just different. It's not as open, you know, it's, it's thicker some of the areas may not have as many rocks, you know, there's just different, um, I guess attributes to it, but there's still a lot of the same things where for me and in, in my whitetail hunting, you know, I was always told growing up and watching it on TV and stuff, you needed rubber boots, you know, you needed this to hunt whitetails. That's what all the Midwest guys, you know, were doing at the time. And that just didn't fit the model. Like my feet were sweating and that'd be cold by the time I got to the stand. And, and I had learned that, I actually, my feet will stay warmer in a lightly insulated or uninsulated boot. Um, just because my feet don't sweat when I'm hiking in, you know, I could, you could hike in, you know, one to two miles to your stand, set it up, everything like that. If you're wearing the right socks and everything with it, then when you have a, you know, a lighter weight boot that, you know, whether that's a leather or any, or some of the other materials there, they breathe better. So again, you're not sweating and creating that you know, to get cold as you, you know, set in the tree stand for long periods of time. So that was like a, a huge eye opener for me. And, and once I, you know, purchased a good pair of boots for that, that was, you know, had kind of the, the mountain hunting style to it and the stability and, and everything else, but it was just a complete game changer. No. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like, so one, one of the things, um, yeah, like, like you said, I, th I just think it's a huge misconception and I want to just get that point across is, you know, just because something says, you know, 1200 grams insulation or whatever that might be one, there's a bunch of different types of insulation, which I'm sure you can talk about more um, intelligently than I can, but it, it, that doesn't mean your feet are going to stay warmer depending on, you know, your condition. If you can get dropped off by an ATV and set in your tree stand, then that might be, you know, that might work just fine. But when you're, you're walking and doing those things, the moisture management is huge and just, you know, everything else along those lines. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, um, like we had said before, you know, boots, boots tend to not get the, the, the forefront of attention, um, because it's not something that's right there visually in your face, you know, like a jacket or a backpack is, um, so it's, it's a little bit behind on the curve of, of people being aware of what high quality is. Um, you know, and what, and what makes 
a high quality product, you know, especially a boot. Um, and then a, you know, B, what does a, what does a high quality product do for you? Um, you know, I mean, it's a lot of people ask us what's different from, you know, with our boots compared to somebody else, you know, what justifies the cost? Because it's, you know, I, I'm not going to be the one to shy away from the question of your boots are expensive and, and they are, they are a top tier product, but you know, what we've done is, is a, the R and D to, to develop that, um, you know, product that's going to be specifically designed for its attribute. And then we are using top tier products. You know, we are trying to be cutting edge with new material that comes to light that does get developed, um, construction processes and everything else. So, you know, that, that's kind of my, uh, my selling point for our boots is that, um, you know, it, it gives you the best performance because it's got the best, uh, technology and products being used to into the product. Okay. And so, could you kind of like go through some of those different features or qualities of the boot that, you know, that make it that top tier, like some of the different components of it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, all of our souls will start kind of at the base, all of our souls, we work in conjunction with, uh, with Vibram. Um, and, uh, it's been a great relationship. They allow us to either design or, you know, have use of any kind of tread pattern that they can come up with. Um, the other nice thing with Vibram is that it's a very large company. Um, it has the financial resources to be able to continue to do the research and develop new cutting edge, lightweight, um, super traction, you know, uh, long lasting soles. So, you know, and then we can partner with them to, to use that. And, and it's been great. So that's, that's, that leads into our, our base area. Um, you know, and then we go into our construction, which, um, you know, is really more of a, a time tested method. So we use this, this method called board lasting. And, you know, I'd said the term last before. And basically what a lot of people are used to is, is the old school, uh, shanks in a boot where you actually have like a steel shank that's inlaid in there and it gives it the rigidity of it. What we have is, is a board last. And if you would kind of look at the bottom of your foot, it's the same outline of the sole of a, of a shoe and it's basically inlaid in between that, that sole and the upper. And it's a combination of uh, nylon and like a carbon weave. And basically you add or subtract certain attributes, uh, whether carbon or nylon, and it gives its rigidity and also its shape. And it also gives it the shape of the boot and the rigidity of the sole. Um, the cool part about that is that there's no weak point in a sole anymore. Um, so with our boots being based in mountain performance, you know, it sole performance is, is somewhere that you can really tell an inferior product. So with a board last, you're going to get that great, um, rigidity from toe to heel and it's not going to flex on you in areas that it shouldn't or torque. Um, and then you stretch into our uppers, which we basically use, a couple different now. Um, it was pretty much two for a long time. Uh, basically, a leather, a leather or a synthetic like a cordura. Um, and our cordura is going to be a uh, very abrasion resistant. But the whole purpose of us using that is for breathability um, for guys that are in hot climate, warm climate, or just have very naturally warm running feet. It's got larger pores, so it allows that sweat vapor and heat to escape that boot. And do exactly what you were talking about early, allow your heat to not, or your feet to not overheat, sweat too much, um, you know, and then allow you to get cold or just soak and wet, which can in turn create blisters. Um, what we've done actually with Cordura this year is we've created a new material and it's actually called a PU tech. And this is going to, you're going to see it dropping in some of our new products, some, uh, boots that we did some, some revamping on. And basically what it is, is it's a Cordura base that's got a polyurethane weave in it. So just as light, just as breathable, um, but about eight to 10 times more durable and puncture resistant. So perfect example of trying to stay on the cutting edge of materials um, and just provide a better product for the, for the user. Uh, and then, you know, stepping from those into our leathers, uh, we, uh, we source all of our leather from, um, from specific tanneries, uh, primarily in Europe. And we actually source those from the same sections of a cow. So, you know, there's, there's different sections of a cow, which has different thicknesses of leather, um, different consistencies, different inconsistencies. 
Um, and we source them all from the same location. So it allows us to, you know, have a consistent product while still being handmade, um, you know, and not having these huge variables. So, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's going to be most of our materials that we're using. Um, you know, and then the other big thing that that's going to be added to a lot of our boots, which a lot of guys get confused with is it's, uh, it's called ankle bone support system. And it's just, uh, we abbreviate it as ABSS. And what we've done is we've taken like a memory foam and we've inlaid it into the upper of the boot and it actually will wrap around your ankle bone to create, you know, a nice secure lock and, uh, eliminate a lot of your lateral movement. So, so it's little technologies like that, that, um, you know, go a long ways, especially when you're, you know, at 10,000 feet or have an 80 pound backpack on. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. And, and the other component that, um, that I see in, in most of your boots and maybe all of them, correct me if I'm wrong, but is adding, you know, the Gore-Tex liner in there as well. Yep. So, so that's kind of our, our big, um, you know, our, our big end feature with, with all of our boots is that we run, uh, and are licensed by Gore-Tex and work directly with them, a full liner in there. And, and what's different with our product compared to a lot of boots out there is that, um, a lot of boots will run a liner on the side of your product. And then what they do is they tuck it in just under the sole because a lot of them see no need, which as a new boot, you don't have any need for Gore-Tex under your foot. What we found is that after, you know, an exponential amount of miles, that Gore-Tex will actually pull out of the sole, especially at your flex point. Um, and that's usually the first place where you start getting water in. So what we've done is we actually inlay a full Gore-Tex booty that is uh, tested beforehand to make sure that everything's 100% waterproof and um, inlaid in there. So it actually wraps and goes all the way under. So if you envision like a sock, it gets inlaid into the boot and um, and then it basically ensures, you know, the boot's 100% waterproof. Ah, that, that makes sense. And it's, it's funny, like, you know, growing up, there's two components of a uh, a boot that I was always told, like either from my dad or somebody else about like what you should look for is like, Oh, if you, you know, it's a good boot, if it's got Gore-Tex and Vibram soles, you know, that was, you know, two components that, that, you know, I've yeah, always it is. looked for. And, um, and with, you know, Gore-Tex, I mean, it's in, you know, a bunch of different products, not just boots. And, you know, the, the great thing is, you know, the breathability of it, but also, you know, being able to be, you know, waterproof all due to the, the pore sizes in the, in the Gore-Tex liner. Absolutely. You know, and, and I talk to a lot of people that, that have had, you know, some issues with Gore-Tex products in the past. Um, and typically it is because of what I had mentioned before. It's, it's not necessarily a failure in the Gore-Tex. It's a failure in the construction and usage of that Gore-Tex. Um, so, you know, where somebody might get a leak in their boot, it's because, the way that Gore-Tex was utilized and built into that product, it allowed water to basically go around the Gore-Tex to get into the product. Whereas with our products being able to, you know, put that full inlay in there, it, um, it really creates a, you know, a, a foolproof barrier. Yeah. And I, I can think of, uh, a specific, I have a lightweight hiking boot that I've had for a bunch of years and it just became, it seemed like it's just not waterproof anymore. I'm like, it's Gore-Tex. I've never had, you know, Gore-Tex fail on me, but that makes sense that that's probably the the reason for it you know that it didn't um you know it wasn't a full full liner so to speak yeah yeah absolutely yeah and so okay so you kind of went through you know the components there of you know what makes a quality boot and and you know what to look for so how how do people go about choosing the right boot for their need like is there is there any sort of you know thing they should look at, um, or, or kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's one of the downfalls of having quite a few options is that it does make it a little bit more of a difficult decision. Um, but you know, the, really what you got to try and figure out first is, so what's your attribute? What are you going to be doing? Um, you know, are you wanting an insulated boot? Do you want a non-insulated boot? Um, and the big thing that I tell a lot of guys is to be honest with it, you know, be honest with yourself and what you want in a boot, because at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to live with the boot you purchase. And if you're going over the cool factor or a boot you think you need versus a boot, you know, you need, you're not going to be happy with the performance. Um, 
So, you know, if, if you're primarily going to be an archery hunter and that's, that's, that's what you're going to be doing. That's what you're going West for. That's what you're maybe, you know, predominantly doing for whitetail, then looking for something as a, as a non-insulated boot is, is a great option. Um, you know, if, if you're maybe an opportunist hunter that is, has no idea where he's going to be, um, you could be hunting antelope one year, or you could go to Alaska and go on a caribou the next year. Um, and then you could be in Idaho chasing elk the year after that. And, you know, you, you might be on a rifle hunt or you might be on an archery hunt. Um, that's a big portion too, because we make boots that are right there in the middle of the road. So, so really being able to take that, those steps of, do I want insulated or non-insulated? And that's going to eliminate or, you know, create boots that are right up your alley. And then the next thing is, is, is body size and fit. Um, if you're a bigger guy, we tend to push guys over to like our polyurethane soles. Uh, they're a little more durable. They're a little more comfortable. Um, you know, and then some of our lighter guys, we can push into that, that EVA sole. Um, but then that also fits into, are you a weight, you know, an ounce counter, you know, um, cause then we can bump into something that's super lightweight. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different options that you can go with. And, and to be honest with you, the best option for you is to do your research, look at boots that you think are worth it. And then you can even call our customer service, um, and walk through it. So for a lot of guys, they've already got like three or four boots in their mind that they want. And it's just a matter of kind of doing the talk through process and figuring out what you want and what's going to be the best option for you. Yeah. And, and so one thing that I, you know, I've noticed with a lot of high quality products and, and, you know, for example, when, when, when I worked for, you know, a SICA dealer and, you know, a lot of guys wanted one product that was going to work for everything. And, you know, when you get to these high quality products they are purpose built for, you know, certain tasks. So a lot of times, you know, there's compromise, you know, you know, if you're going to buy one good boot, that's good for, you know, September elk hunting, it may not work as well for, you know, late November, you know, say even whitetail hunting, but there's, there is some things you can do with that. Like one thing that I've done with, um, to make my boots, you know, last longer, I guess throughout the season is, so I, I would wear like my, my boot that I would wear out West in September, you know, I wanted to be uninsulated, breathable. And if I'd go to the tree stand in November, you could always get like a, a booty or something that you could slip over it to help add yeah, that like insulation. An, an over booty. Yeah. Like I, I use those a lot and I can get, you know, those, my wild rock boots that are only 400 gram insulation. I can sit down temperatures around zero degrees with them, which is adding a little, basically a slipper that goes over top of it that I shove a hand warmer in there, you know, and that extends, yeah, you know, the life of, or in the use of your boot, um, you know, too, if you're, you know, for the, you know, those guys and girls that are doing the, you know, Western thing and also hunting whitetails here on the East. So I think that's, that's a, you know, a, a big thing. And as I, you know, go through hunting and, you know, want to start, you know, buying more gear and investing in it, you know, then I'll, you know, maybe then I'll buy a more insulated boot for those colder weather hunts, but there's definitely ways to, you know, get around it as you go. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we do, we have some very niche boots that, that fit a very specific, um, you know, hunting environment and outing an individual, but we do have quite a few that, that, that fit that do everything well, um, frame, you know, I mean, I, I'll kind of give a plug for our Nevada boot. It's, it's an all leather boot that comes insulated or non-insulated. The insulation level that we offer in it is a 200 gram. So it's on the lighter side. Um, those are very, very do everything boots. Uh, I talk to a lot of people that are like, man, I'm going to be going on, you know, I'm just getting into Western big game hunting or I'm a big whitetail hunter, but I, you know, I'd like to go on a mule deer hunt or an elk hunt in the next two to three years. And that's usually where I put them because, you know, a boot like the Nevada or even our guide, which is a slightly taller boot at 10 inches, um, that's a boot that you could take anywhere in North America in any scenario, it's going to do it well. You know, it does 75% of your time. Perfect. You know, those, that 25% on the outliers, you know, you might be a little warm in certain situations. You might be a little cold in other situations, but as a whole, you know, I can have one of those boots and know that every time I grab it, it's going to do it very well. Yeah. 
no that 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 makes sense and you know with with some of the the certain you know boots and things and i i guess for me when i look at it is like as you basically said earlier was you know finding out what i'm doing the most of and you know buying based off of that and then you know making it work well in other conditions might not be the absolute best fit for it but you know it's it's you know you're stretching your dime a little bit there you are you are you know and what we're seeing now too is we're seeing a lot of guys coming back for round two and three um they've bought a guide they've bought a nevada or they've got a wild rock and they're like hey i love this boot i want a super lightweight breathable option for a high country mule deer hunt in September. Um, you know, and then we go that route, you know, so it's, it's been cool to see that life cycle of guys coming through. Um, you know, they, they kind of bite off a little bit, taste test some, figure out how it is, and then they just love it. Uh, and, and it really is, you know, and until you've gone down that road, especially for guys who have bad feet, you know, that constantly are fighting their feet, fighting their footwear until you've stepped into that realm to where you can kind of set it and forget it. It's a, it's life changing, you know, I mean, for a guy that's coming on a 10 day hunt and this is his hunt, you know, for the entire year, the last thing you want to be doing is day three, figuring out how to work moleskins and figuring out what you're going to do about this blister or that blister. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That, and that's the same process that, you know, I was going through and, and, you know, why I, st- I stopped and talked to you, you know, it, it, the booth, like I was for, for me, like my next step was, all right, you know, I had the wild rocks there. I want something, you know, lighter weight, breathable, like things like the, you know, Thor's came to my mind. I was like, man, I could use those for shed hunting. I could use those for spring turkey hunting. I could use them for, you know, early season archery and then, you know, Western hunting, a whole bunch of different, you know, avenues there. And it's just, you know, I started out with one and as, as you know, I, I geek out on gear and stuff probably more than I should, but I, I like to, you know, when, once you find something that works, I just want to keep, keep going with it. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I'll be the first one to ask somebody when they call and they want to try our boots. You know, it's the first question is what I ask them is what do you, what do you not like about your boots right now? You know, and, and every now and then you'll get the guy who's like, man, I love my boots. And I'll tell them like, Hey, no love lost here. If you found something that works for you, don't fix it if it's not broken. Um, because it is, it's so subjective for guys. And, and I'm very aware that our boot isn't going to work for everybody. Um, you know, so, so it's, it's just feet are about as subjective as everything. So, so I guess, what would you tell someone, you know, on the East coast where they might not have, you know, a lot of dealers or places you could try it on, you know, what are, what are some options to kind of see if a boot would work for you? So our boots run pretty true. You know, we typically tell guys to stick with their, their, you know, their standard size, you know, whatever size that you is your go-to size when you walk into a store and somebody says, all right, you know, I'm going to pull this boot for you. What size do you want? Um, 90% of the time that that's, you know, maybe even 95, that's usually the one that works. What's great with our boots is we do offer wides, uh, for guys that do have the wider foot. Um, you know, like I said, our, our, our boots do run on a North American last, so they are more gracious, Um, we typically tell guys that unless you're wearing a wide and everything, you probably don't need it in ours. Um, the other thing we recommend guys doing is, is if you can order, order, you know, the two sizes that you're kind of flirting with. And, and the nice part is, is you can return them, um, you know, get it, you can try them on side by side, um, and then return the boots, uh, you know, that doesn't fit and keep the other ones. So, um, it's usually a good way to do it. And, as uh as we progress, hopefully, you know the goal is is that that we have a dealer within driving distance of uh, of all of our customers. So, yeah, and that's that's one one thing you said about the return. You know, being able to return things like that's what's great about the time we live in now. It's not that hard to return things or do anything along. The, I would rather you know buy the right boot and say even buy a few. Yeah, it might hit your credit card for a little bit there, but being able to you know, try it out the, in your house, uh, climb up the stairs, go do whatever, make sure you get what's right rather than just settling yeah, for what's down the road. It's the peace of mind of knowing you have the right one. Then you're not second guessing on it. Did I get a half size too big, too small? 
Um, in this day and age, it's too easy to, to return stuff. You know, I mean, you can purchase them directly through us. We send out, you know, a free prepaid return label. Most of our dealers are, you know, doing the same thing. They're doing some form of easy, you know, whether it's free shipping to you and then you can get them coming back. But it's everybody that's doing e-commerce these days, you know, if you're too far from a dealer, it's, um, they're making it as easy as possible to be able to do returns like that. So, um, it's tough to try and get people to do that, but you know, it, it is, it is, uh, guys are starting to see the ease of it and, and it does make it nice to have both those to try on. So, yeah, that's, that's for sure. So what's, uh, what's coming out new from crispy this year? You'd kind of mentioned a few things to me. I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, the big thing, which seems to be getting a lot of buzz, um, is we've got a new, a new trail runner style shoe coming out. It's going to be called the Ativa. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty sweet. You know, I think it's going to be one of the one of the few trail runners, if not the only, that's on the market that was built for hunters. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a big push, especially here in the Western market. Um, but then the other thing that we're really excited about is we're coming out with uh, we've got the Wild Rocks like you have, but we're going to run that in an 800 gram insulated boot this year. So I think we're going to really be able to capture some market for some guys that want to pack that extra insulation, especially for later season hunts. Um, super excited about that. And then the other big change is this new, that new material that I was talking about called PU tech. Um, we've integrated that into a lot of our boots. So, um, guys that are running those super insulated, um, very breathable boots, it's going to add, an extra layer of durability and just make these boots just keep pounding mile after mile and, you know, get, get a, get a longer lifespan out of everything. So, um, not a whole lot new, just, just some more integration and a couple pieces here and there. Yeah. I, I think that 800 gram boot is going to be huge for the, the whitetail side of things. Cause it's a, you know, it's a good, uh, level of insulation that you might not even need, you know, the booties for some colder weather, but you're not gonna, you know, sweat real bad as you're hiking. Well, in. and that's the thing, you know, you're, you're getting a boot performance. Um, you know, there's, I mean, walking, walking a mile or two in rubber boots, like it sucks. Um, so, so to be able to wear something that's got good insulation, but then also very breathable and has a good fit, um, you know, I, I think guys are going to really appreciate that. Um, and then to be able to know that they can count on the insulation to keep themselves, you know, warm and sitting in a stand and, you know, I mean, you, you don't kill anything from the couch. So, so whatever keeps you in the stand longer and keeps you more comfortable longer, um, you know, leads to more success. Yeah. And Justin, I, I've tried everything before with rubber boots to try to try to make it so you know my feet wouldn't sweat and get cold i've tried changing my socks at the base of the tree before i'd climb i've tried literally just wearing like a a a basic cotton sock with a garbage bag or like a walmart bag around them so the moisture wouldn't soak through and changing to another pair of wool socks at the tree and like i've tried everything and it's all miserable and as bad as it sounds (laughs) so it was really a game changer for me being able to find something because i you know i was I had quality clothing. I was staying warm like that, but my feet would just freeze and I, I couldn't sit. And like when you have, you know, say a week off of work during the rut or a couple of days, you need to make the most of that time. And, and I like to sit dark to dark and in, in those times and, you know, not waste any daylight. So being able to stay comfortable in that is, is really big. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it, it's along with everything else. Um, you know, the more you can be out there, then, um, then, then the, the higher your, your odds of success far. And that goes for any hunt, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're sitting in a tree stand, um, or if you're, you know, climbing a, climbing a mountain looking for goats. Um, if you've got to go home because your feet are either a uncomfortable, you've got blisters or they're cold. Um, like I said, you're not gonna, you're not going to be successful on your hunt. So it's one of those things that we've tried to really integrate into, into our motto is, is just this, like, like I'd mentioned the, the set it and forget it. And the only time we want you to think about your, your boots or your feet is, you know, when you're putting them on in the morning and when you're taking them off at night. Yeah. So Justin, is there anything else you can think of that you think that would be helpful for everyone to listen to or, or cover here? You know, we've got, uh, 
as far as looking for, for knowledge, you know, we try and put up quite a bit of stuff on our YouTube account to try and answer questions for guys. Um, you know, it's this day and age, everybody's a wealth of knowledge or trying to, to, to gain more knowledge. And, and we try and put up quite a bit. So I'd urge you guys to go on, um, you know, listen to some of that stuff. It's going to go a little more in depth about each model, um, some comparisons between insulated, non-insulated stuff like that. And, and like I had mentioned before, pick up the phone, give us a call, shoot us an email. Um, you know, all of us in the office are, are avid hunters. Um, we spend a lot of time in the product and we spend a lot of time designing product, uh, specifically for it. So, um, give us a call. All of us are happy to help, help guys do it. So, um, make sure that, you know, you make the right decision so it can make or break a hunt. Yeah, for sure. Is, is there any place else that people can find any information you want to give out social media or anything else? Yeah. Our, uh, you know, crispy, uh, crispy hunting is our Instagram page. Um, we're constantly putting stuff up there. We've got a YouTube channel. Um, we've got quite a few influencers out there that, um, you know, that, that are doing a lot for us between hush and born and raised and gritty and, uh, Tim over at solo solo hunter. Um, you know, those guys are wealth of knowledge as well. So, and they, they put out quite a bit of content on our boots too. So cool. All right, Justin. Well, hey, I really appreciate you, you know, coming on and talking to me here. I I love getting to, you know, talk to and then be able to, you know, support companies in any way that I can that are, you know, hunting companies that the, the hunters are behind the the actual company itself and I like that and I think, you know, anybody else should can highly consider it. No, it's it's been great. So, I I appreciate the opportunity. All right, man. Well, you have a good night. Yep, you as well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.